Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. I say that every freaking week, so I am sorry. That is a little redundant, but today's episode is more personal, so I will just dive into it. Consider this the intro and episode. (laughs) So with the end of the year pretty much here, I'm recording this in December, I figured it'd be nice to get personal with you guys, and this is usually the time of year I like to do a lot of reflective episodes and focus any conversation or solo episode around my personal insights and whatever that can be really helpful for you because I know when I do have guest interviews, the topics vary. Sometimes it's business-oriented, sometimes it's wellness-oriented, sometimes it's relationships, so... I decided to share on the podcast Instagram recently. I asked you guys, I'm doing a Q&A solo episode for you to submit some questions. So I decided to pick three. I'm not sure if I'll get to all three. Depends on how long this takes me to record, but pretty much just took your guys' questions and will answer them. And I picked the ones that I felt like would also be universally most intriguing for you guys and again keeping it personal while also ensuring I provide value because I know you guys are all young independent women also looking to be their best selves. So with that being said first topic I would dive into someone asked me would love to hear about your love languages and attachment style. Okay so obviously this is pertaining to my personal love languages and attachment style but before I get into it I will say if you're not familiar with attachment styles yet I definitely recommend checking out episode 192 with Jessica Da Silva. She is a licensed therapist and she's also an attachment style coach. I discovered her through listening to podcast episodes around attachment styles and I found it fascinating. I had to ask her to be on the podcast and I loved the conversation we had. It was so informative. It was so fun and open and vulnerable and I love when people are willing to just share their history with 
maybe if they were toxic in their past relationships or maybe they had unhealthy patterns. And that's what Jessica did. And she dives into all of the attachment styles, which are secure, anxious, avoidant, and fearful avoidant. So I think they're pretty self-explanatory, except fearful avoidant may be kind of like a question mark. And for those of you who are not familiar, fearful avoidant are people who have both anxious and avoidant tendencies. So to answer the question, what my attachment style is, I would identify myself as mildly anxious. I personally discovered this through reading the book Attached. I forget who it's by, but it's definitely a, I'm looking at it right now, but it's too far for me to see the authors of the book, but it's a great book around attachment styles, attachment theory, how it applies into our relationships, all of them, and also how it impacts the way we communicate. So for me, I noticed that I have a tendency to be really direct and communicative and I think when there are times when whether it's intentional or unintentional that someone is not responding to me right away or you know let's say it's someone I'm dating and the frequency of how how much we communicate is pretty consistent and one day you know maybe they take extra time to not respond sometimes that can trigger me and uh, again I'm this is always a work in progress but that's where my mild anxiety will come out because I I like the certainty and consistency. Now, the irony to that, as I've learned about myself, is if I can create expectation around these random moments, or for example, if I have a partner that's telling me, hey, you know, today I'm going to be kind of off my phone a lot, just want to give you a heads up, to me, that alleviates the anxiety. It's very interesting because I have mild anxiety uh, or like the mild anxious attachment in that case, but obviously in my head, it can can play out in a bigger way, yet just a small communication or maybe on my end, I can always ask the person, whether it's a friend or a partner, I can be like, hey, I haven't heard from you today. Is everything okay? Something of that nature, right? And then usually you can get the response and that can alleviate and de-escalate anything from going further in terms of the anxiety. So that's why I describe it as mild because to me, I don't really get crazy anxious about, you know, if, if uh, my partner's going out with his guys or, you know, doing whatever. I don't really have insecurities about me versus other women, which, you know, can be a little bit more on the medium to high anxious attachment for, for according to this theory. So... I notice it's for me, it's just about certainty, which I've recently discussed with a therapist as well, a new one who um, is my first time actually with a male therapist. I've been thoroughly enjoying it because he talks to me more from like a scientific perspective and almost kind of like analyzes my brain and my decisions, the way I do certain things and kind of fills in the gaps and then asks me is this accurate? Is this not accurate? And I've had to kind of clarify some things at certain times, but like he's like always jotting down notes like a like a freaking, you know, a psychologist. So I consider him more of a psychologist that is helping guide me um, to better understanding why I do what I do and how I can shift to a better approach in the future so that I don't let, you know, in in my case, my mild anxiousness turn to chaos. 
So yeah, I would say I highly recommend looking into attachment style if you have not learned about it yet. It's great to know if you're single, it's great to know if you are in a relationship. And nonetheless, I've noticed the biggest shift in understanding where I come from as well as where some of my partners and friends, like where they may be on that spectrum. Like for example, my ex-boyfriend from college, he certainly was an avoidant. And so, you know, had I known some of that information back then, I probably would have approached things differently. And it's not personal. That's something Jessica De Silva said as well on episode 192. It's not personal when they're being avoidant or fearful avoidant, right? That's the biggest thing I've learned in life too, is like 90% of the time, it is not personal to you. It's actually just the way someone is programmed or that's their own framework and that's the way they are processing it through. So my biggest take on that is, okay, if I can work towards being secure, which is my locus of control, that's what I can control. I, I cannot control someone else. I cannot control their progress, but I can control my half and I can be better at recognizing that it's not personal to me. I don't have to react to that. I don't have to play games with people. I don't have to do any of that, which luckily I I would say I don't play any games now. Maybe I had five, six, seven years ago when I was younger and more immature, but certainly I see that come out in some some of the peers and, and people I've noticed in this, in my age demographic at least, and I'm like, why, why do you do that, you know? But I'm understanding because I know that that is just, there's a past experience from it, right? So they haven't really learned how to resolve that yet. And I'm not saying I fully resolved my mild anxious attachment style, but I do have better understanding of it. I do know when those moments come up and I am learning and progressing in knowing how to be a secure communicator. And I know as well, there's data to this that says, you know, true secure people, like secure attachment style people in a relationship, it's, it's like a great match, right? Anxious and avoidant is, is, is very turbulent. Um, but if you, even if you have one secure partner and one person that is anxious or fearful avoidant or avoidant, it says that it doesn't make a huge difference. Like that actually ends up being a very similar pattern with two secure people in a relationship. So in other words, if you are more of a secure attachment style, you can also basically have a bigger impact on your partner even if they have the less secure attachment style because they end up kind of feeding off your energy so to speak and there's a lot of research around this so I'm not going to touch more on attachment style but definitely go ahead check out that book I will link it in the show notes I will also post it um, on Instagram in the book recommendation Instagram story highlights and again, episode 192, if you want to hear that episode with the licensed therapist and attachment style coach, I had Jessica De Silva. She explains it a lot better than I do. But um, for me, it was just very insightful to learn when it comes to how I can improve the way I act and communicate in my relationships all across the board. In regards to love languages, if you guys have not heard of love languages, there are five of them. It's quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, and acts of service. So I won't dive too much into, you know, really what, what all that means. Definitely, again, uh, I would recommend looking into it yourself. Take the test and see kind of what falls, what falls in line for you. But I will say that I noticed 
two things. Number one, that my love languages kind of shifted since my last relationship. And number two, that some of my friends who are, are great peers of mine, they, they live all, of, all over the world, they independently told me uh, when it came to my, my, my latest relationship, they told me to know what his love languages are and vice versa. And that was very interesting to me that they both said that. And they're both very into self-development and personal development, you know, and um, being great people and best partners as possible in their own relationships. So with that being said, my personal love languages, quality time for sure. And the way I describe quality time is spending intimate and highly engaged time with my partner so I could do you know just a weekend like once a week like or an overnight stay whatever that is with my partner but having us be fully engaged with one another being really present no phone I mean I know that whenever I'm with my partner I am not on my phone it's the it's the best feeling ever because then I come back and I'm like oh my gosh look at all these emails and text messages I missed and that's when you know I've been really present and really engaged with my person and I could feed off of that energy for the whole week versus seeing someone three, maybe four times a week where maybe only 60% of the time is present, right? So yes, I understand some people really need that like physical in-person moment, but to me, what's the point of that if I'm not gonna be fully engaged with you? And also I have to add that I also tend to feel deeply connected to someone even just in consistent communication. So if I'm constantly, you know, texting, even about like the most random things, as long as there's that consistent, you know, ritual, whatever, where we're just like texting. And I'm not, not, I'm not talking like saying good morning every day and good night every night. It's more of like that continuous flow where you feel like you know what's going on in that person's life, whether it's like a small comment about, I don't know, this happened today, this was dumb, whatever, like just like a side comment in the middle of the day. To me, I feel connected that way because I'm like, okay, this is active. This is like currently what's going on. And even though it's not in person, for me, I still feel connected. So just just being engaged with my partner is really important. I would say the second part to that is, is probably physical touch. I mean, it's interesting because I don't need to be with my person every single day especially at this time of my life but I when I'm with my person I really appreciate the it's, it's like an affirmation to me when you put your arm around me and it's like very sentimental or um, when my person kisses me on the forehead or holds my hand it's, it's just very intimate to me and my personal thoughts on that as well is it, it, it feels different when it's with the right person like there's plenty of times you guys I'm sure you can think of this as well where maybe you kissed someone or you were hugging someone or you held someone's hand and one person just significantly felt different and maybe you haven't had that experience yet but when that day comes you will know what I mean and that those moments I can say that it that's only happened to me twice in my life and of course those are the two people I've actually ever been in love with but that you know it's funny because the second person um you know when when we had held hands when we had like you know we're physically touching each other I felt that like literally since day one and before ever actually dating him I 
told certain friends of mine that like I felt it instantly. I I knew there was something different about it. Did that scare me shitless? Absolutely. But it certainly was significantly different. And again, that's part of my love language. So I think I'm uh, I'm, I'm more of like a feeler. You know, I can, I can like feel it, even though sometimes it tries to fight with my logic. I have learned this past year to trust just that gut feeling inside or that instinct feeling because something about it knows more than my logic does like the brain is almost like if I'm trying to tap into my rational thinking it's like a calculator it only knows a certain extent right but just something about instincts like you know when you know and even if it does not logically make sense to anyone else somehow it makes sense to you and and later on it, it seems to be more explainable so I can say that from my past my first relationship as well. I remember when we were getting back together, to everyone, it made zero sense. I mean, he broke up with me. Um, I worked on my shit. I really came after him and, you know, really took a few months to kind of convince him, like, I think it's worth us to give it a try. And it took some convincing, all of that good stuff. And I, and I know, like, to his friends, they're like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, why would you get back with her? My girlfriends were like, Emily, you gotta let it go. You know, but, like, I look back now, and that was, uh, what, five years ago. It made sense to me. I I couldn't explain it then, and I know everyone was like, why? But at the end of the day, I knew it was right, and I ended up being right. Like, obviously, we, we didn't end up together, but for me, I just knew, and sorry, this is such a tangent on instincts, but I just knew that there was, like, an unfinished chapter, and whether that would be forever or whether that would be, again, in that case, an additional two years, at least I really got to see the relationship play out the way it should because now we were at better points to reconnect and and be partners. And so that whole relationship was a total of about three and a half to four years, but it was a very valuable experience and relationship and I'm very glad that I you know trusted my instincts and, and pursued him in a sense um, or rather more like I pursued him to like in convincing him but I was like gonna let it go at that you know like if he said no I'm not interested in in um, exploring this whatever I would have let it go but I think I knew he was like on his toes was was definitely curious about it and um, I think that's why I'm like, okay, look, like I'll be consistent and, you know, you, we, can, we can see where this goes. So anyways, that's just why I think the physical touch for me is a, is a huge factor because there's something about it that connects with your body and your instincts. I would say the last three, it's probably words of affirmation, acts of service, and then gifts. So they're probably like all three equally the same. Um, words of affirmation for me, I don't, I don't need someone to like tell me I'm beautiful every day, things like that. But I do love the affirmation of like when with my partner, like if to to um, you know reiterate that they love me and and to say that consistently. One of my clients from my marketing agency, they are a couples therapy, couples workshop company, and it's very fascinating because I read through their content I read the information and one one note that they mention all the time is how relationships are like plants right you have to continue to water consistently you don't just water it once and then you know never water it again or you don't water it just once a month you have to water it once a day or every week or whatever consistency that specific plant needs and so that's the same thing when it comes to just because you said I love you 
two days ago doesn't mean like your partner automatically remembers that or like feels that because you said that two days ago you know it seems so minor but what I've learned is it's often the minor details that really help keep the relationship moving forward and so just something as small as saying I love you or like I love you I appreciate you I think that can go a long way because that's like similar to watering a plant you know you're watering the relationship so I think that's important to me um but everything else I think gifts and acts of service are probably on like on the bottom too. I do love like gifts. I'm not like, you don't. I don't need grand gifts. You know, I'm not like like that. But I will say my, um, my current experience, you know, he would always bring me bouquet of flowers uh, just on random occasions. Or like one time we met up to, um, this was early in the days, you know, he, we met up at a, a bar like just late at night because we both came from different events. And uh, he took a while to get there. And I was a little like annoyed because I waited there for maybe like five minutes. But then lo and behold, he showed up with a small little flower that he picked from the Madison Square Park and he took a detour on his way to the bar that we were meeting at because he wanted to bring me this little flower and it's just like so cute and romantic so I don't know what love language that is but that's technically I guess a, a I don't know that's a gift and an act of service in my opinion I don't I don't really I don't really know but it's, it's a gesture I think that's what it is for me it's just like the fact that you are so thoughtful like it's not the price tag of the gift I'm you know personally it's not my thing I don't I could care less about the Chanel bag, but I, but I would care a lot if you thought deeply, like what would align with Emily, you know, so that could be, um, you know, just thinking of me saying, oh shit, I want to grab her a flower on the way to see her. That to me means a lot because you're thinking of me. So anyways, um, I'm gonna cut this part off here. I, I just think it's very interesting when you think about your own love languages, observe what you like and what you don't like, whether it's with your current partner or your past partner, you know, past flings that you've been in, uh, just just consider it and then maybe observe how you can also do the same for that person because majority of the time you don't have the same love language as your partner. And when you are aware of what their love language is, I think it makes the relationship a lot easier because then, you know, you can give and receive love in the ways that you each want. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, second question, and I think I'm going to just cap it at this one. What is the best travel advice you have ever received? So I don't know if I ever really received travel advice, or maybe if I did, I kind of just merged it into my own thoughts and beliefs. But I think the one piece of advice I would share and and repeat is if you want to go travel and really experience what it means to be more cultured, so to speak. I personally enjoy going to a place and actually living as if I lived there. So instead of going to Paris and doing all the touristy things, which again, it some of it is fun and I and I do think you you should balance it, especially if it's your first time visiting. But if you're going there for the second or third time, 
try to immerse yourself into the culture, right? Like when I went to Paris, I sat by that that water. I, I'm gonna not pronounce it correctly, but I think it's called like the Seine. Seine, uh, S E I N E. I think that's how you spell it. I sat there with a croissant and I was chilling by myself by the water on an afternoon, and it was lovely. And you know, people who live there, they probably do that too. And I, I can tell, like, you know, there's French people all around me. And they're just sitting there enjoying their afternoon. And I walked throughout the city by myself. I definitely didn't look like a tourist. So that would be my my best travel tip is, like, go and immerse yourself in the culture if and when possible, especially when you're going to a city. Now, this is also especially true if you're traveling by yourself. I tend to travel solo at this time in my life because... For you know, most of the time it's hard for me to coordinate with friends. Sometimes it's about affordability, and I think most of the time, if I travel, I just want to be immersed in the experience. Now, I don't personally love traveling and like trying to like check it off my list. That's just me, though. Again, I like to do things with a lot of intention, so I want to have just better understanding of the world when I'm there, learn the language, learn the culture. And just experience it. And sometimes, you know, you, you you could do that in a few days. You could do that in a few months. But I think the, the time window doesn't necessarily matter. I think it's just be as intentional as possible when you travel. Because, you know, you want to be able to look back and remember just what that experience was and what you learned from it. Because that's just what makes life colorful. It's just the best part of life, in my opinion. And I, I just, I don't really love, like... I'll give this example. I went to London and Paris for the first time in 2016, and it was a fabulous experience. I went with my boyfriend at the time and with his parents, and I just remember though that, like, I don't, I don't recall a lot of the experience from that because it felt like very on the go. Okay, check this off the list. Check this off the list, and that's totally fine. And, and that's probably that's how my parents tend to travel too. So I don't travel with them for that reason because. They want to go on the bus and pay for these tours and all these different things. And I want to actually Google, okay, what are some homey, cute restaurants I can go to or some coffee shops that are recommended, like things that tourists don't naturally do on their own because it, it does make it a little bit more difficult. But I honestly kind of forget what that experience was. In fact, I remember like liking London more than Paris. Like I didn't think I would like Paris that much. I, 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 I don't know, maybe at the time too, I think... Back in 2015, 2016, there was a notion around Paris how it kind of lost its charm. And I think I've heard that from multiple different people in Europe. But when I came back this time around, I think in recent years, it like the charm of it started to return. I don't know if that's true or not. So if you're from Europe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, maybe that contributed to it. But when I went to Paris this time around, it was end of April, early May. I loved it. I had a fabulous time. It was perfect. I was there for four days all by myself and I would certainly go back. And, you know, I would love to live there maybe at some point, maybe for like a month or two months. But, you know, New York feels like home to me. And so I love being able to go back to my home base when I can. And I think that would be the dream is to keep a home base in New York at all times. And when I'm, you know, flexible too go live in Paris for a few weeks or go live in London for a few weeks or, you know, during the summer, like go spend some time in Europe, you know, that would, that would be ultimately what, what I would love later on in the future. But nonetheless, I, I love to experience it like a real person as if I lived there. That would be my best piece of advice. 
And that was all for today's fun little personal Q&A. If you enjoyed this and you would love for me to dive more into personal topics and questions that you are curious to know, definitely be sure you follow the What Fulfills You Instagram. It's at What Fulfills You. And be on the lookout for the next time I post this on Instagram stories about a solo episode. Or if you have a topic recommendation, just feel free to message me on Instagram to say, hey, um, I love when you talked about this. It would be so cool if you could dive more into that. I love when you guys give me suggestions. So please don't be a stranger. Just message me on Instagram, either my personal one at Emily E. Duong or at What Fulfills You, which is the podcast Instagram. Last but not least, don't forget to check out all of the merch. The hoodie is officially available on the website at whatfulfillsyou.com. I am so stoked about this. It is seriously, and I no joke, okay, bias aside, it is the softest hoodie I've ever worn. And to be fair, it was kind of inspired by the softness of Aritzia hoodies. If any of you guys have tried on their cozy fleece hoodie I really was like okay I want a quality hoodie like this so feeling really soft but I want more meaning to it I don't want just like a plain you know black hoodie I want some some art to it some some meaning and so the back of the hoodie it's like it's just like a heart it's half full and there's a hand and it it literally says what fulfills you like like an arc and it says like what fulfills you and it's half of it is going into the heart so you know what fulfills your soul what fulfills your heart is really kind of the meaning of the graphic so if you're interested the card game the journal the hoodie everything else is available at whatfulfillsyou.com and you can get 10% off your purchase with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout thanks again for tuning in i will chat with you all in the next episode say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.